book of Ephesians. If you're just joining us, um, we are journeying through. We're in chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 11 through 22 this morning. And uh, we'll be talking about this idea of peace. And I ask you this morning, are you at peace? Are you at peace? Do you know what peace is? Do you know what it is to be at peace? And to experience the peace of the Lord. It's something we talk about. We throw that word around like we do love. And uh, we're striving for peace um, all the time, aren't we? But are you in touch with your whole being? Your mind, your body, your will, your emotions, your whole being. And, and are you in touch with understanding what it is to be at peace? Truly at peace. And so I just want to walk through um, these verses this morning and take uh, this, there's so much great theology in these verses, and uh, I'll come back to some of this, but I just want to give you a couple things to hold on to and really drill down for us this morning, um, this idea of peace. I see there's no accident that uh, we come in this morning, I'm talking about peace, I'm at peace, and come in and the whole tech, everything's blown up the whole morning, right? It's just kind of how God works. And um, he's got something else, and are we in tune? And are we able to, in the midst of health issues, go down the list of things, um, walk in peace? And do you know that that's part of the gospel? That is the blessing of God. That is what he has for us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So this is it. It it doesn't come by way of politics. It doesn't come by anything humanity can do. Oh, we can strive for certain levels of that, obviously. True peace is something that has to happen inside the soul of a person. Um, And this is what the gospel is. why it's called the gospel of peace. It is the only thing that comes and makes us first and foremost at peace with God to know that we have peace with our maker. And that our maker comes and he promises to bring his power in a powerful way inside our soul and bring wholeness to chaos. And so... Um, let me just dive in this morning. Um, this is all the way back, 17th century. Um, a great uh, Puritan leader, William Grinnell, he said this, you cannot be happy with anything less than peace. But you do not need anything more than peace to fill you with true joy. Now, I just want you to think about this for a minute. You cannot be happy, and what he means is true peace here. Not the peace we try to create, that the world tries to lead us into, but true, true peace. Is that we cannot be happy with anything less. We were created for that. We know when we are in the midst of chaos. We know, right, when we have worries and fears and anxiety and all these things, and our whole culture, right, in a, a place of not peace. And there is no substitute. In other words, and so what I just throw out to us is to really drill down and get in touch with my soul, our soul. Am I at peace? And if you're here or watching and, and, and you're just not sure where you're at, not sure where you're yet with the church or with Jesus or God, is I ask you just to really think deeply about this and, and encourage you to keep boldly seeking peace for your soul. And to seek out God and his answer and his goodness of what he has. And as we're going to see, Jesus is our peace. He's the only one who's come to make peace between us and God and ultimately to bring into this world. And you do not need anything more than peace to fill you with joy. 
In other words, all the things we think that make us happy and that we do to try to fill that void, that deep, and maybe even cover up that deep longing for peace inside us, actually, there's only one thing. And when we are at peace with God, when the presence of peace by the power of the Spirit is inside us, is the rest of pure joy is there. In all the rest of our circumstances, we can walk through and be at peace. That is what Jesus came, that is the life of peace, the life lived with the Lord, to hold on right uh, to him in, in the midst of this. And um, so what is peace? Uh, verse 14, we'll get to it in a second, but Jesus says, this, the word of God says, for he himself, Jesus is our peace. And I just ask you, is he your peace? Now you might, you know, claim to be a believer or a Christian for your entire life or a long period of time. But have you made him your peace? Colossians 3 tells us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, be the umpire of our heart. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. But have you let Jesus be your peace? Or are you being pulled into the rat race of chaotic, just the very next thing on the calendar, pulled here and there and everywhere, chasing kids around, letting the kids dictate where you're going, all of this stuff. Or is there a sense of peace? And do you carry that peace? Not only is he your peace, but do you carry that peace? And so I did the best I could to just give a a broad or a biblical definition of peace. Peace is only possible through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's Galatians 5. A work of God in bringing wholeness, healing, and salvation to the human soul that was fractured and chaotic because of sin. It is through the gospel of peace that people of all nations are able to be one with Israel, the Jews and the Gentiles one now, as saints and members of God's eternal household of what he's going to do. So with that said, let's dive in. Um, if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll bring your Bibles. hope you bring your papal Bibles. It will bring great peace into your time with the Lord if you just have paper. Trust me. Um, <clears throat> therefore, remember. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, and that's most of us here, right? Most of us are Gentiles um, we're not Jews. Maybe we have some among us. We have many in our community. And Paul himself, a Jew, writing to him, the apostle to the Gentiles was his calling. Um, and if you were here last week or, or listened to the first part of chapter 2, he's, he's calling the church to remember who we were, the status of who we were before we were saved. And he's carrying on that theme of but God, as we talked about last week, is that we were lost. We were running in our own rebellion, but, but God intervened with mercy and love and sent his son right after us to bring us right back uh, into relationship with him. And Paul's on this same, um, same theme, but he broadens this um, to the bigger picture of the church and what God is doing in the history of the world. Many These verses have confused many people because it gets into deep water, but hopefully I'm going to lay out just the simplicity, a uh, powerful truth that uh, why this is here. It says, therefore, remember, at one time you Gentiles, in other words, all the nations of the world except the Jews, 
were in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Now, uh, he's making a little play here, right? In other words, the Jews, God's commanded them what separated them all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision. And it was very clear to tell the difference between somebody who was Jewish, the family, and those who were Gentiles of the other nations. And he makes the point by hands because he's showing that God's plan is larger, that there's a circumcision of the heart uh, that he is going to accomplish through Jesus and the gospel. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Now this is powerful to understand is that God came to this world, he created the world, and we can go back right to how the nations began and everything, and God chose one nation because he needed to have a nation, a people to send his promises through to be a light to the other nations and to bring the salvation through one man so all could eventually right believe and be one, and that was Israel. Now, folks, we have a lot going on in the world, and I'm going to tag back to this, why this is important to understand when it comes to peace, especially in an election year, especially in the midst of all the unpeace that is mustered up in the midst of um, politics. God is in control. He has a clear plan, folks. Listen to this. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, all the nations of the world, who once were far off, Remember the temple access, they had one wall, right? The outer wall, the Gentiles could only come so close. Unless you were Jewish, you couldn't get past that. Let alone get into the priest, get in any closer, especially into the Holy of Holies, only a priesthood. And that was called the wall of the Gentiles, right? Keeping the nations out. Though Israel was commanded to be a light unto the nations, you know, that's the rest of the story of uh, the Old Testament. But now, in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. All of the barriers, the law, the covenants, the promises, the access is to everyone, no matter what tongue, tribe, or nation we belong to, because of the blood of Christ. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, the Jewish people. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father Hallelujah. So then you are no longer strangers, church, or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple into the Lord. In him, you, in Christ, you also, now... Paul's getting direct to the church in Ephesus. You, local church, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Okay, well, let me, uh, there's a lot there. 
So I just want to break down this passage in the sense of God's larger work in history um, of bringing about salvation and moving history towards God's ultimate things, bring all things in heaven and earth together. This is Ephesians 1.10, and he does that through the blood of Christ. And this is the only way that all nations can come to share in the covenant promises that only Jesus fulfills of the Old Testament. Jesus fulfills all of those, and there's many yet that we will look at um, on Sunday nights of what Jesus is yet to do and the role of Israel and the role of church um, in all of that. So, a couple quick things here. Our peace. First thing is, how does Jesus become our peace? It says he's our peace. How does he become our peace? There's a couple things here. Romans 5 tells us that, therefore, now that we've been justified and there was made right by the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. And so it's through salvation, it's through confessing Jesus um, as our Lord and Savior, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, believing that it's only his blood that has satisfied the righteous, holy requirements of a holy God to be right with him. Nothing we could do. This is by grace. Last week we talked about, but God. It's his mercy and his love and it's his grace that paves this way, right, and offers this good news, this gospel of peace for us to receive. And, and how that happens is we confess. It's faith that is a gift to us, opens our eyes, right? It's receiving, right, into our heart, into our life, confessing Jesus as the Lord and Savior and realizing he is ultimately our peace. Um, now, there's, how does Jesus become our peace? Well, this is a much larger conversation. That's how it begins. How do I continue walking in that peace is, uh, is a question Right, that we all should be asking because I know that it doesn't take much for any of us to not be in peace at all, right? To be moved into chaos rather than resting in this peace. But let me just give a quick little thing about the gospel. When it comes, when we put our faith in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, when we move forward in baptism and tell the church body, give a public profession, He is my Lord. The scriptures promise the Spirit of God comes and fills us, seals us, Right? And, and makes us one with him, draws us into this family of God, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the Spirit of God comes inside us and awakens our spirit that is dead to God and takes home. And this is why Colossians says, let Christ rule, let the peace of Christ rule inside your heart. And what that means is that, I, and that word actually means kind of like being an umpire. And for me, that's real helpful language is Jesus being my umpire because you know what? My emotions can go wild out here. Shoo! My mind, as Derek was talking about, my mind can go far into all kinds of things that lead me into stress and everything else. My will, my decision-making can be led astray by my own flesh or will and everything. Is Jesus my umpire? Is he bringing all this together? And folks, here's the deal. When sin, we come into this world because all the way back to Genesis of fractured beings because we're disconnected from God. And what's left is I'm trying to what, have my own soul be command control of my mind, my emotion, and my will. And we can, by just certain you know, uh, physical principles, help control that as best we can. But we were created right, to be in great intimacy with God, where the Spirit of God comes and brings life and, and speaks to our minds, speaks to our emotions, speaks to our will, our decision-making, and brings a wholeness, peace, shalom, 
is bringing peace, wholeness to chaos. And this is why Jesus not only came to the world for us as individuals, but for the entire world. As we see in Romans 8, that creation itself is not at peace. Or the nations are not at peace. They've never been at peace. Man's never been able to create and sustain peace, ever. Especially inside his own soul. There's only one thing that does that. And this is why it's such good and glorious news. And on And so the role of coming together in discipleship and engaging with one another is to push one another, hold one another accountable, and pray with one another God's promises of wholeness and healing that we would learn to walk in that peace, which is a fruit of the Spirit of God, active in our lives, that we would be people of peace. And all through the scripture, we see Jesus in John 20 where, you know, he had, he had been resurrected and all the disciples were scared and huddled in the house and he just shows up, right? Whoa! And he says to them, you know, peace, be at peace. I'm here with you. And in John 14, he tells the disciples, he says, peace, I leave you. Peace, I leave you. You're to be people of peace because of what I've done for you and I will never leave you. And my spirit, right, is upon you, the spirit of peace. Um, and then we see a principle of the kingdom, God's people that should be growing among us as we walk in discipleship with them is uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, all right? It's chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God is one of the main characteristics of being part of the body of Christ. Being a Christ follower is a peacemaker. That we carry that peace with us. And this is why Jesus said, he sent the disciples out and, and to minister everything. When they enter a household, he said, let your peace rest on that house. Is You need to realize the power, the influence, the environmental uh, change that you carry with you, that you can bring into a situation to bring peace. And so in the workplace, when things are crazy, at home, when things are chaotic, right, is you're to be a peacemaker. You're to bring the peace of God into that situation, into tough situations, is to be people of peace. And we'll come back to this as we journey into some of the practical um, aspects that Paul tells us later in Ephesians practically. How, does it, how do we do this? My simple uh, call and ask of you is, Hey, are you in discipleship? Are you linking arms in the body of Christ to learn how this is not an individual's thing? It ain't going to happen just listening to podcasts. Isn't it happen just showing up to church every now and then? It only happens in the context of face-to-face, ongoing, intimate involvement with each other to flesh this out, right? To pray for each other. How? How do we do this? How do we walk as people, right, of peace? Um. Second question, how does the confidence in God's plan for history give us peace? Wow, that's a big question, isn't it? Especially 2024, we've got an election year. Um, we've got wars around the world. We've got all kinds of, you just go watch the news. It's doomsday, doomsday. I mean, you've got all kinds of stuff, right? The, enough to two seconds and, and there's peace gone, right, um, in that place. Um, a little, uh, just a little side note, um, a little practical thing. I don't know how many of you grew up where the TV is always on in the house. But I just want to give a little practical thing. If the TV is always on and you have either CNN or Fox or whatever on there, BBC, whatever you watch, I can promise you right now, you will not have a household of peace. Just a real practical thing. Ain't going to happen. What you have is anxiety. all kinds of things 
pre, you know, speaking out into the house that is not going to be peaceful. Just watch your own countenance after you watch it for half an hour, right? Now, we've got to be connected. We've got to be in tune, um, of course. But what I'm saying here is here's our peace, especially into this year where, honestly, we have no good options, um, and it's going to be crazy. You know, and we don't know how to talk we don't know how to talk policy. We don't know how to listen to one another. We don't know how to, to be logical. None of that is gone, right? And we need to pray for the restoration. And we need to model peacemaking. Sadly, the church gets sucked into this whole thing more um, not from a standpoint of being a peacemaker like we should. But, folks, here's the glory. And I'm just going to barely touch on this um, because um, just time. We'll come back to this. But folks, here's the deal. In the very beginning, God had it on his heart, the idea of church. You, you, before the foundation of the world, you were on his heart. Now that's something to rest in and to give you peace in. You were not a blip. Don't listen to the, uh, the words of the enemy that have crept into education, everything. You're not some soupy concoction of chance. You are creating the image of God. God knew you before he created you. You are special with a purpose, and God wants you in his family, in fellowship with him. And he wants that of all nations, but to carry out this purpose, he needed one nation. He needed one nation. It began with the father Abraham, who began Israel, right? The, the God's people that he gave the promises, the covenants to, um, to give all kinds of lessons that we learn from the Old Testament, Right? But that wasn't good enough. God, how is this going to get out to all nations? How was a people, Israel's, to show us how can you dwell, just read the context of the presence of God among his people, touch the mountain, you die. How is that going to work for a lifetime? And folks, in God's heart was this glorious, glorious, wonderful news of the gospel that he was planning to send his son and the son was willfully uh, to come and to give his life uh, so that all of those things, the fulfillment of what it takes to dwell, truly dwell, walk in the presence of God, could be accomplished for God's dwelling to be among our people, for heaven and earth to come together. Again, only Jesus. It's the glory of the gospel. His blood once and for all made the proper atonement that took my sin, your sin, the sin of the world, made that access right, to the Father. And God has been working through history. This is what our eyes need to be on. Not these geopolitical things, sure, get part of it, but God's moving. And his primary eyes are on his church, his people in every nation, and where the church and, and our people coming from that nation into his family. That is his heartbeat. Do you realize that? It's not the power games that are played. His ultimate goal, he uses all that, Proverbs says, like water in his hand. His goal is to get a family from all nations of the world and all of history. We're in the times of the Gentiles right now. Um, as it says, in the time of the church age, and we'll get to this in chapter 3, uh, again, this mystery of what God is doing now through his church that represents the kingdom of God and is to be the people of God and to be this expression of heaven coming to earth. Right? And God's carrying out his wisdom because it's through his church around the world that he's calling children now from all tongues and tribes and nations. And this was an awesome, amazing, overwhelming thing to the Jewish people, to Paul himself, who was called to be the apostle to this, to see what God was doing um, in all this. And so, uh, uh, again, uh, just real quick here, 
But we're coming, we're in the church age, and what we're going to dive into in the scriptures, this church age is going to end. The church, Jesus says, you need to be about getting this gospel out. Is that we're to partner with him, this good news of bringing peace to human souls. Because at some point, this church age is going to end. And Jeremiah 30, the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation, is going to flip back around where Israel is going to be more the focus. Now, we'll come back to this. It's absolutely critical to understand. These are not two separate people. These are two, as we say, one new man, all of people who are united through Jesus. But God in history is working now through his church. He is going to again later highlight and work through Israel. Now, folks, I just don't have to, I hope I don't have to tell you to dive too deep to tell you what is going on right now. Let me just tell you, this stuff is often preached about against racism. Folks, racism is just sin. This transcends racism. This is understanding the role of Jews and Israel versus all the other nations in the world. There's only one nation that God chose. It was Israel. And this should give you spiritual eyes to look at what is happening here in our own country. As much as we talk about racism and everything we're trying to do, look what has broken out. Look at the anti-Semitism. Folks, this is far beyond racism. This is spiritual warfare. This is something that's going on in the beginning of history. It's nothing new. You need to have eyes to look at that and it should give you peace. God's on the move. Aslan's on the move. History's moving exactly where he's saying it has moved. It is moving and it is glorious. Our peace should be in. Man, he's got it in his hands. I just want to be in. I want to know what my purpose and role in all this is glorious. So that's just a little taste. We'll get much deeper into that on, on Sunday nights. How does confidence in our access to the Father give us peace? Folks, this is unbelievable. We, verse 18, for through him, Jesus, his blood, we both, all the nations, have access in one spirit to the Father. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the veil? The veil was torn top to bottom, heaven to earth, access into the very presence of God. How does this give us peace? Folks, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just get like, I feel left out. The whole FOMO thing. Like, ah, I wish I had that opportunity. I wish I was that smart, or I wish I knew that person, or whatever it is. I just feel, you know, you ever feel left out? Ah, man, I wish I was, had that, you know, whatever. Folks, this is where you have to go. It's like, wait a minute. This is ridiculous. You have access to the creator of the universe. Like now, you're his child. He's got a glorious inheritance for you. It means nothing who else you know. All the other privilege in life, if if you look at it this way, who cares how many powerful, whatever, beautiful people, go on the list of things, whoever you really want to know or hang out with, who cares? If you set your eyes, let me tell you, peace will come on because you know you'll stop striving and you'll start walking in the will that God has for your life. There's a grand and glorious purpose. And you know what? You will bear fruit for eternity. But only when you walk in that kind of peace, right? So, folks, that the access you have as a child to run up into his lap. Unbelievable. Just, and if you want to know the magnitude of that, just read the Old Testament and look what people had to go through to get that access. Right? And this is why we need to know the whole Bible. And folks, this is another little side note, and we'll get into this, but folks, I challenge you, I encourage you deeply this year, don't just stay reading your light little devotional. Don't just stay reading through the Bible itself. Get into the theology of the Bible. Get into the spirit leading you. Those, there's so much here. 
that God wants to communicate to his people, but it requires some study. It, just, it, it requires embracing theology, studying it, right? Battling it around with each other and having the spirit of God give you insight. This is life. This is why Jesus said, I have food to eat, guys, you don't even know about. It was getting time with God in his word, right? So anyway, let's go on to the next one. How does confidence that we are part of something much bigger God's household give us peace. Wow. Again, I'll come back to this, but just quickly. Every, inside every single one of us, inside every single person created, there is this built-in, universal, no exception to this. We want and we know we need to be part of something bigger than we are. We need a tribe. We need a group to belong to. We need a purpose. We need to, who are our people, right? That's built in. That's beautiful. But ultimately, the issue is what we just said here. It's by the blood of Jesus. We're brought into the tribe, the household of God. And to know and have the peace and your purpose and your gifting, your uniqueness, right? Your affirmation, the love, mercy, everything our our human soul needs is found as part of being a part of that tribe, part of that family of God. And there's... Open, free access to that family of anybody who, by faith, will receive it and step in through Jesus, through the blood of Christ. Um, how many people are striving today? Again, I'll let you apply this, right? To find a group to be a part of, to find a friend group, just to find one best friend. We all need to be or to have a family. And the thing is, even a family is supposed to be part of something bigger than itself. And a family can only be healthy if that father and mother are leading that family into the larger family of God to realize our family is a part of something bigger, the family of God. And we have brothers and sisters for all eternity in this that we're to grow up right together with. So there is peace, folks. Nothing. Again, this, the outflow of this peace is just huge in our life. The final thing, how does confidence that we are growing as part of a local church give us peace? And uh, Derek, y'all can come on up here. Um, Verse 22, in him, in Christ, you also are being built. So this is where Paul changes, and he gets very specific church, local church. You, and I'm going to just make this very personal for us. You, crossroads. In Christ, you are being built together into, listen to this, a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. That's what church is. Church is people coming together, seeking God, and making this a place where God's presence rests by the power of the Spirit of God. And here's the, and again, this is, I'm going to come back to this. But so many believers are not experiencing the peace of God because they're not planted in a local church. It's the only place. What is this? God's purpose for you is that you would see that your involvement with the larger family of God is carrying out the purposes of God, your gifting, God's purpose in your life, and everything we talked about of growing as people of peace as we lock arms, right, with each other. And so I just leave this last one with you. Boy, we're in a day and age where... Uh, in other words, is this what's going to be a priority for me? Or am I going to fall to the next thing and into a chaotic schedule, running my kids everywhere? 
Or is there going to be a sense? No, there's, there's one thing that's important for my family, and it is to be rooted in the local family of God because that's where God's special presence resides and works. If he wants this to be a dwelling place. He wants to dwell with us. It's not off doing my own thing. It's only in the local church. To link arms. And it's just breaking that high independence, right? And stepping into that fellowship. And so I just, I encourage you to pray about that, especially this year. If you want peace, one of the key aspects of peace is, right, is that stepping in. And yes, it's every local church has, there's mess. We're just messy people. But that's why we need the grace of God. And isn't it crazy? God, even in our mess, he's there. And look at the testimonies. Just one example of that this morning is back to Renee. And we go all of them, Daniela, all the rest of them, is to know, you know how many people, when they get hurt out here or run into, I know people right now who are in hospice and other things, and you know what, they have, that they know of no one praying for them before God. Very few people serving them and loving them. They come to the end of their life because guess what? They've lived life thinking they don't need God. And they come to the end and what is there? And now this is a great opportunity for God's people to step in and love, right? Especially in those moments. Folks, that's the family of God. That's where peace comes in. It's like, man, if we know right now, if anybody stumbled or fought, you're going to have an army praying for you. An army willing to serve you. And even Renee, if he's in the hospital, he'll come serve you. So that's just Renee, right? <laughs> So, folks, I just encourage you um, is, uh-oh, is um, man, this year, 2024, take those things. Let's be people of peace. And let's get overwhelmed that, oh, my gosh, God wants to dwell with us. Now, there's two things that <laughs> I don't know which is more awesome or wonderful, um, that God came after us to give us peace or that we are in, we people reject that peace. Why would anybody reject that? The good news of God. That kind of peace, that kind of fellowship, that kind of love, that kind of encouragement. And so I just ask you, if you're here this morning, as we come to the table, um, are you at peace? And if you're not at peace with God, please, let us, let the body of Christ encourage you and lead you, even this morning, to the one who's made that peace, who wants to be your peace inside your soul. And if you do know him, but you're not experiencing peace, man, let's go after it. Here's we come to the table. And I was going to pray now. Father, thank you for your peace, for the gospel. Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, working to bring your peace into our lives. Lord, Move, make this a place, a dwelling place for you. Encourage your people, Lord. Let peace break out. In Jesus' name, amen.